This is but one of a thousand true crimes. Welcome back to a Thousand True Crimes. You're here with Chelsea and my lovely co-host. Wow. We're starting off strong today. Co-host Joe. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's been a week. I keep, I'm like, how is it only Thursday? I feel like, I feel like we're already in like 2023. So if that tells you anything Girl. about how this week has been. I feel you. The little Tired. one had a COVID exposure in her mm. classroom, so she's been home all week. Mm. I mean, I can't feel mm. sorry for you because, like, I'm home with my kid all the time. I don't know what that I had already, is like I had anymore. already gone through that phase. I had already <laughs> done that work. They are supposed to be in school now. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Nope. Uh, it was good, though. No, we had a good time. I mean, it was good. It was my first week back since my COVID exposure. Mm-hmm. So we're still in, like, the honeymoon phase of enjoying each other's company. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like this is the first week because it's, like, what? The second full week of January. So I feel like. I don't know. Fir- it feels like the fifth. I know. The fifth full week. But I feel like when you get back from Christmas and New Year's, that first like week of January, people aren't really like they're trying to get back into the groove. And then it's like the next week, it's like bam, bam, bam. Like, okay, now we're ready. Like, let's hit the ground running. And I'm like, no, let's just (laughs) (laughs) like we don't need to do everything in one week. Like we can we can relax. It's going to be okay. (laughs) Actually, no, let's not do that. I agree. Yeah. Agree. Lord of mercy. But no, it's been good. It's been good. Um, good. What's been going on with your week? Just been busy? Just been busy. Yeah. Just busy with work and everything. And yeah, but it's good. It's good. So anyways, enough complaining about. Hello, Lays. How are you? Um, (laughs) Our unofficial mascot. (laughs) I know, right? So, but anyways, what are you drinking over there? I have a cab salve. The bottle is in the kitchen, so I don't remember what it's called, but it's another cab salve. It's really good. I think it might be. It's got a, um, a vineyard and a building on the front. Okay. <laughs> so like every other that one narrows bottle. It down. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. What you got? Yeah. What you drinking over there? Um, I had a glass of Pinot Noir that I'm about to be done with, and then I'm going to my mm. good old white wine. Look at you drinking a red. I get random cravings for red when this weather starts getting cooler. And like North Carolina, I guess, finally decided it's winter. So. Yeah. I told you it comes January, February, March. We're but supposed I'm on the to coast. get a snowstorm. I'm not. Are y'all, are y'all forecasted breath. for that? I got something from Spectrum saying my area is forecasted for that. But then, like, according to my weather app, it's supposed to be 60 degrees on Sunday. So unless it starts snowing at 60 degrees, then I don't know. Yeah, no. I don't think so. That's the one good thing, yeah, about being by the coast. So I'm just – I've been told you just got to push through January, February, and then by, like, early to mid-March, it starts warming up again. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we're halfway there. It's been a mild winter so far. I'm hoping it's okay, going to continue. Okay, so now I'm going to get a fucking snowstorm since you said that. Thank you. No, usually if the snow was going to come and it was going to be a bad year for snow, it would have been here in December. We would have had it already. Okay, I'm holding you to it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well. Well. Are you ready? Are you ready to get into this case? I yeah. am. <laughs> Joe's so doing it this today. week. I know. We're starting this new year with this, like, alternating system. So we'll see how it works. I This was my first one where I had to do, like, more in-depth research than just watching the podcast or watching the documentary. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know. <laughs> I know. Sometimes when you start, you're like, this is so great. And then you watch the documentary and try to find more information. And you're like, ooh, I'm not yeah. a skilled <laughs> yeah. investigator. Got it. Like, I didn't go to school for journalism. Got it. <laughs> 
Damn. <laughs> Damn. Didn't pick the right major. Yeah. You know, that for fashion merchandising is going real far in my life. Listen, that wasn't even my head. My head was like, I have to be as good as Chelsea. Chelsea does such a good job. I have to like okay. be on par. Well, I mean, thank you. Yeah. Take but, the compliment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways. Okay. So what are we talking about? I'm keeping my mouth shut now. We are doing Fergie's Killer Dresser, the Jane Andrews story on um, Discovery Plus. That's what we're doing. Have you heard of this case? No. And I'm assuming it's not Fergie from Black Eyed Peas. No, it's Princess Sarah. Well, Sarah Ferguson, the Duchess of York, former princess to like the United Kingdom. She was married to Andrew. I don't Epstein follow. Andrew. No, Epstein. Remember? Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Which unrelated to this case in any way, shape, or form, but also just he's trash. <laughs> so we're talking about the Jane Andrews story. So for people who didn't know, which I honestly didn't even know. And when I tell you the years that this happened, like we were, I don't know how we didn't hear about this because it was like national news. But Jane Andrews, who was once, like I said, they call her a dresser. But I think today we would call it a personal stylist to Sarah Ferguson, um, then okay. princess, now the Duchess of York. And she was convicted in 2001 for the murder of Tom Cressman, who was her boyfriend. 2001. There was a lot of things going on in 2001, girl, in America. Valid. So that's probably why we yeah, weren't valid. worried about a fallen princess's personal stylist that killed somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we had our own so, personal shit okay. going on. <laughs> we were dealing with some things. So the documentary... Really, like, in the, like, description, there's a big thing that says, um, would she have been convicted today if she would, if she had committed the crime, like, in our climate, our cultural climate today? So, that's kind of an undercurrent of the whole documentary. I will say up front, I think she would have, but there's going to be things that I throw in throughout the episode that might seem, like, random, but it's just to kind of, like, the documentary was, again, trying to point you in this direction of, like, would she have been convicted? I think she would have. Once you hear all the details, you let me know what you think. Okay. So the documentary introduces us with the morning of um, September 18th, 2000. 999 gets a call from a frantic employee at the Crestman household who's telling them he's just found his boss dead and to send police. So we meet Detective Chief Inspector Jim Dickey whose team was lead on the investigation at the time. And he comes on to talk us through those first moments on the scene. Um, He says they come in and they found him dead in the bedroom. There was a cricket bat and a bloody knife nearby. He says it was pretty obvious that this was the murder weapon. They didn't go into details. I don't know if this is just like British propriety or if there's confidentiality laws protecting some of the details, but it was actually difficult to find like many details about the actual like death and stuff like that. So, but I'm guessing that there was clear stab wounds on his body Mm -hmm. and there was probably a lot of blood. And if she was tied to royalty, I'm sure that there's going to be like some form of protection of keeping things under wraps. Something. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. So they also found, as they were going through the residence, this post-it note in the kitchen that read, My dearest parents, I'm so sorry. No more hurt inside me anymore. Tom hurt me too much. He was so cruel to me. Jane. So they figure out that this Jane is Jane Andrews, his, they call her a live-in girlfriend. So I'm guessing she okay. was, she had moved in with him and that then they realized that some of her personal belongings were missing along with her car. So they obviously want to bring her in for questioning. Mm-hmm. Now at this point, the news gets a hold of the story and it is front page headlines instantly. Right. Um, A former lady in waiting is on the run and wanted for questioning in relation to a murder. And Detective Chief Inspector Dickey makes the point here 
that from that moment on, the entire handling of the case was under a microscope. So, you know, as we know with a lot of cases, when you put pressure on the police to find a conviction, sometimes things can go wrong. And I think that's why he was making that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but they put out an APB and they begin contacting all of her known associates, which she doesn't know that the police are contacting her, which I don't understand. They, so they made it out like that morning, like the press okay. had gotten information. But she also didn't realize that the police or I, maybe it didn't occur to her. Maybe she was in shock from the whole situation. I suppose that's a possibility, too. It didn't occur to her that the police were probably contacting the people that she knew. And it was through one of her associates, one of her friends, that they were able to deduce that uh, where she was now the whole time when she was texting people she was like have have you seen tom have you does anyone know where tommy is i haven't heard of him like kind of like feigning so ignorance she's, about like where she's he trying is. to play it off right okay um but once they were able to figure out where she was she had actually ended up calling one of her friends and telling them that she had taken an overdose and um so they were able to figure out that she was in this lay-by on the side of a road, and when they found her, she had overdosed, but she was still okay. alive. She was, like, covered with a blanket, like, over her head and slumped over. Mm. So, I know, I know. Oof. They were able to rush her to the hospital and save her life, and after 48 hours, she was brought in to police headquarters for questioning. Um, 48 hours? She didn't. I feel like that's Yes. I know, girl. After that's not a lot a of time. Overdose. An overdose? Yeah. I know. Hmm. But as you hear, and again, this was very, and I tried to do a lot of research. As we go on, and I'll bring this up later, I think she was afforded some privileges. Of course like, she was. Like, I don't think that when she was brought in for questioning, that she was thrown into a jail cell, handcuffed to a table, with, you know, like, I don't think yeah. it was any sort of that nonsense. Yeah. I have a feeling she had a cup of tea, a blanket over her. Maybe sitting on, like, the only couch that the because, police headquarters so had. She's the st- essentially the stylist to a princess that falls into becoming a duchess, I guess. Because um, she divorced Prince Andrew. Right. Okay, so she divorced She's still Andrew. the mother of his children. I don't even know who Prince Andrew is. Well, he's one of Queen Elizabeth's children who was not Charles. Um, okay, and... anyways, not important. I mean, the, the okay. British monarchy, okay. <laughs> um, but... But she was not her stylist at the time. And that okay, actually plays into the I story. I wonder, do you... I would assume you would have to be in the similar social standing or social circle to become a stylist to a duchess, right? Well, we're going to get into that. But I will say that she certainly had established herself in those circles after she was let go of um, uh, her position at the palace. Uh, oh, she was let go. Before mm-hmm. or after the murder? It was about, oh, I'll have to wait till I get further down in my notes. Okay. It was about two years before, I think. Okay. Okay. And what, did she come from a background of privilege or was she like a commoner? Just wait. Okay, I'm jumping ahead. I'm trying to, like, <laughs> fill her out. I'm trying to see if it's, like, okay. Anyways. Okay. Yeah. Got it. We'll get there. We'll get there. This is just the beginning. This is page, like, 0.5 of 5. So we're, we'll get there. So, again, I do – but I still agree with you. I think 48 hours is pretty quick to bring her in. But yeah. I, I will say that I think she was afforded a lot of comforts during this process. So, um. I'm just going to call him Dickie, and I'm so sorry if this is disrespectful, but saying Chief Detective Chief Inspector Dickey is a mouthful. So from here on out, when I say Dickey, I'm referring to Detective Chief Inspector Jim Dickey. So um, Dickey did say that when she was being interviewed, she didn't say much. She was like almost in a dissociative state. Um, mm-hmm. She was able to confirm that she did live at the house and that she and Tom had been fighting that night. And that he had been very cruel to her and that she panicked and drove off. She didn't confess anything. But at that point, she was arrested and taken into custody. 
Okay. The next day, the next day she was brought back in for questioning and her story had changed completely. It, in fact, it changed several times. So first she claimed it was someone else who did it. Then she claimed it was self-defense. Then she claimed she was a victim of domestic violence. Then she claimed she suffered from, from mental illnesses. It would just vary from day to day and sometimes even hour to hour. But hmm. always with her being the victim. Okay. Now, I want you to remember this, right? Because this is like the question that we're going to like, a lot of people have debated. Was she was she a victim also? Um, so as they were questioning, questioning her and in general investigating her, it came to light that there was an instance in a in her previous dating history with a gentleman called Dimitri Hall that they were able to find out that um, when he had ended their relationship, he had also been met with various threats of violence against him for doing so. From her. From her. Okay. So... Jane denied all of this at her trial. She said that wasn't true. She said that wasn't the case. And honestly, like, who freaking knows? Like, maybe it just ended on bad terms and he was being a dick. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. This was 2000. They still hated women then. Even more than they hate them now. (laughs) So (laughs) she was later diagnosed with BPD. And we're going to get back to – we're going to talk about the psychiatrist who diagnosed her a little bit later on. Um, But I did want to say – so. According to the Mayo Clinic, I'm just going to read to you guys uh, a little bit about what BPD is. It's borderline personality disorder. So borderline personality disorder is a mental health disorder that impacts the way you think and feel about yourself and others, causing problems functioning in everyday life. It includes self-image issues, difficulty managing emotions and behavior, and a pattern of unstable relationships. With borderline personality disorder, you have an intense fear of abandonment, or instability, and you may have difficulty tolerating being alone. Yet inappropriate anger, impulsiveness, and frequent mood swings may push others away, even though you want to have loving and lasting relationships. Borderline personality disorder usually begins by early adulthood. The condition seems to be worse in young adulthood and may gradually get better with age. And then I'm just adding this. If you have borderline personality disorder, don't be discouraged. Many people with this disorder get better over time with treatment and can learn to live satisfying, stable lives. Um, so if you have BPD, don't don't stress too much. Just there is lots of help out there. So in the documentary, so as it said, right, in this description, which is from the Mayo Clinic, a pretty reliable mm-hmm. source, it usually begins by early adulthood. It's worse in young adulthood and then gradually gets better with age. Okay. In the documentary, they say that it comes, that this disorder comes from childhood, which is different than what this article was saying. But this, the documentary was made last year, 2001. Okay. So I don't know what their sources are on that. But well, the do they Mayo mean, Clinic, like, when they say it comes from childhood, that it, they're meaning that it stems from a childhood experience or trauma? They didn't clarify that. Clarify that. Okay. Because, like, and when I they said like it came from little... childhood, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, something probably happened in her childhood that would later down the road trigger her to have that Perhaps. disorder. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. So at this point in the the documentary, that's when they transitioned to talking about her childhood. Okay. And so I'm wondering if they're trying to, like, infer, like, like there were um, parallels between her behavior and the diagnosis. Okay. And I just, I don't know. I didn't think that was, I didn't think that was fair. I didn't think that was tasteful on the documentary's part, but it gets us to her childhood and her background. So here we go. So she grew up in Grimsby, which is on the eastern coast of the UK, um, a little bit in the more southern than middle, but not quite the south, um, from a very normal working class family. She was close to her family members, but generally was more of a loner. She liked to play with her dolls, and her cousin, who's in the documentary, remembers that she had this huge, amazing dollhouse, but none of them were allowed to play with it, only look at it, which... 
I don't know. I don't I don't see that as abnormal. I feel like there's lots of kids who are like that. Like just protective of their stuff. I don't know. Sharing is hard. Um adults have a hard time is. with it still. It's not a natural, not natural thing. It's not natural. So no. no. But what the solitude did allow for was time for her to develop her other passion, which was working with a needle and thread. As a kid, she wanted to be a designer. So in this solitude, she was able to develop her craft. She was able to sew. She was able to stitch. And everyone in the family would kind of like if they needed something done or something altered or something made or something tailored, they would just take it to Jane and she would fix it up for them. So after school, she got a job at a department store called Marks and Spencer's, which I totally remember that store. It still is around from when I lived there. Um, And it's kind of like a fancier like department store. It's kind of like a Nordstrom. Okay. Okay. Um, Right. It's a little bit, a little nicer. Um, And so after, while she had that job, Princess, at the time, Princess Fergie, had placed an ad in the Lady Magazine. That's the name of the magazine. I looked it up. It's still in publication. It's like a socialites magazine. For okay. Women. I don't know. I know. Not my life. So I mean, I would the love ad. to be an English socialite. Like, I would love no to just wake kidding. up and just be like, it's fine. I just, you know, go Let's to charity go on a events and I get to just drink champagne. I mean, yeah, it would be... Sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. Sign me up. Still waiting for that rich uncle to come out of the blue. Can you hurry up with that? I know. I'm real tired of having to work to have money in my account. It's getting real old. It's frustrating, right? It's frustrating. Very frustrating. (laughs) So, anyways, for (laughs) I'm trying to get that magazine. Jane decided. Yeah, the lady. It's called the Lady Magazine. That's what it's called. The Lady. The lady. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you have your... Okay, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to offend the British. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Please just throw it in there from time to time. Um, so she answered the ad. Jane answered the ad. And literally four days later, she was working in Buckingham Palace. Talk about so, a career change. No kidding, girl. No, like you go from working at like a nice department store, and then all of a sudden you're walking into you're at the palace. palace. Yeah, you are literally working in the same house. Well, you know she definitely has like she has to go through like the separate entrance. I've seen uh, Downtown Abbey. I know how that show works. She might. We're gonna get to that too. Actually. Oh oh oh! So she was a social climber. Yeah. Got it. Got it, got it. Okay. Living so, my dream, minus the killing part. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to remember that this was back in 1988. And so this is when uh, Princess Fergie, which I know it's Princess Sarah Ferguson, but was she was still married to Prince Andrew. Boo. Um, and as a result of this new job, she was afforded so many more opportunities. She was rubbing elbows with the royals, with the socialites. She took elocution classes to, like, get rid of her accents. And over time, she really was accepted into this community. She became just one of one of the crew, like one of the, the people who was there in these, like, social elite circles. Okay. So the social, I guess, hierarchy in England has their own specific accent. Yeah, that's always a running joke. It, they, they always say they sound like they talk with plums in their mouth. But yeah, it's a it's a different accent. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, and again, this is back in the '80s. It's probably different now in 2021. I mean, I don't feel like more... it is. I feel like they all have might... their. They're very. Listen, we saw what happened when Megan came in. <laughs> yeah, but I still feel like their accents aren't changing anytime soon. No, that's what I mean. They did not like her. That's what I'm saying. They were like, no, girl. Well, first off, she's an American. So she's like, fuck you. Exactly. <laughs> and she's su- like super commoner. Like like yeah. not even like, oh, she's a commoner. She's like super commoner because she's from America. She's an American commoner. commoner. Like there's a difference. She's from the colonies. <laughs> so- we gave them tea. They didn't 
didn't want the tea. They didn't want the goddamn tea. <laughs> so by the early 90s, she had married a successful banker who was 20 years older than her. I don't think this is that uncommon. They just made a really big point about it in the documentary. So, you know, whatever. Um, when they were married, though, she was very consumed with her work and her life at the palace. So Fergie was often alone because her husband, boo, was away at sea um, most of the time. And so she and Jane developed a really close relationship, sometimes so much so that it caused people to raise an eyebrow a time or two. Mm. Okay. Um, there were there were stories about sharing lovers. It's just there were people who were like, mm. um, she was always with her. They always went everywhere together. You can see photographs. It's just it was a very close relationship. Okay. Okay. Um, so then we jumped to 1997. So she she did end up divorcing this man that she had married. Okay. Um, I have no idea why. I tried to look it up. I tried to find information. I couldn't find much. Um, I'm very interested. If people have information they can find, let me know. But uh, 1996 is when uh, Sarah and Andrew divorced, I believe. And so they were both relatively newly divorced. And the palace had to do some cost cutting. So in 1997, Jane was let go. Okay. They called it made redundant. So this was like a really big deal for her. She lost her dream job. She lost her best friend. Like clearly she lost her access to this like higher society. Her lifestyle and her friends say that she was like completely devastated because she just didn't have what she had had before. And I think she felt like a little bit of betrayal as a result. I mean... She she's still a duchess like Princess Fergie went to duchess like that's not a like a bad place to be. No, but she lost uh, she wasn't working. She wasn't her stylist anymore. That's what I mean when she lost her job. Yeah, but couldn't I guess I guess Fergie Duchess Fergie didn't have the income to keep her anymore. What the fuck was she making? No. Her husband was too busy spending money on airplane rides where he raped children. Um, ex-husband. Is that Sorry. really the same no, one? No, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, and also, like, there's something with taxes, which I, I don't I don't know completely. I don't understand completely. But there is an element where the taxes kind of pay for, like, the, the palace lifestyle. So, I mean, there is an I get element. that. Welcome to the White House. Right, there's an element in which it might not have even been, like, like the palace might not have been like, all right, we need to save money. It might have been that parliament was like, well, we're cutting, I don't know. Like, I I don't know why they had to cut costs, but they had to. So in 1997, after she was let go, she she was devastated, but she was able to find a job in the high-end jewelry store. But her friends say that she just was never able to find that happiness that she had before when she was in that position. So a year later, in 1998, she met Tim. <clears throat> she became very attached very quick, quickly. Um, he was described as kind of your quintessential, quintessential rich white male. Which British male. I, th- I think the subtext there was um, entitled, self-assured, um, maybe a little bit on the misogynistic side. Um you know he's just a rich white man kind of i don't know and like i don't know i would say a dick but they're not all and like if we have any british listeners don't take offense to this but i do feel like because he's british i'm assuming right yeah yeah okay but i also feel like the british are just a lot more posh it's a little more elitist it's a little bit more elitist and so like it's not just rich white male it's rich british white male like there's that little bit yeah. more of a entitlement I feel like because I, I, exactly yeah yeah I mean don't get me wrong rich American <laughs> white men aren't like they're entitled but, too but <laughs> they're entitled too and they are the not way, the best sometimes so. I, I will I will verify that by because of his family the way his family reacted to a lot of this there was like you can tell there was an element of like entitlement of like 
Like this, this should not happen to him because he is who he is. Yeah. It's like, no. Shouldn't happen to anyone, but. And we have that here in America, too. It's just, I don't know. The British just always seem so much more posh and fancier. (laughs) because they got royalty. (laughs) I think it's the accents, too. Maybe. And they drink tea and, like, have tea parties all the time. Like, this just seems so fancy to me. I don't know. Maybe I just. I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm too American to, I don't know. Do we, do you think there's anybody who thinks that our accents sound fancy? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do we just I sound mean, like trash to the rest of the world? <laughs> no. I've read like some like those BuzzFeed articles will do stuff like what other people think of Americans as not. And I feel like I've read a couple of times where a lot of people like do like our accents, especially like Southern accents. And I'm not talking country accents southern accents yeah because southern accents are different than country accents (laughs) let's get that Uh straight but (laughs) i don't know i don't know i don't know that's a question to ask the world yep world let us know I don't want to so, know. Don't let us know. <laughs> I don't yeah, just know. yeah, I agree. I agree. Don't let us know. I don't agree. I agree. Yeah, just no. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> she became very attached to him very quickly. And there was some question because this did afford her that lifestyle again that she had lost. Um, They moved in together pretty quickly. One of Tom's friends in the documentary said that he found out that they were living together because he'd call he called the house, which children gather around. Um, before we all had cell phones, there was this thing called an answering machine. And you would leave a little voice message in your answering machine to let people know who called that they had reached the right phone number and the right household to leave a message on. So they'd call the house and instead of the answering machine saying this is Tom's, it would say it was Tom and Jane's. And that's kind of how they found out. So they were all kind of like, okay, okay. As time went on in their relationship, the people around them started to see some flags. She was becoming more withdrawn, more anxious, more depressed. People on both sides were hearing about frequent fights they'd have. And there were people who would hear him say really awful things to her. One of her friends quoted that she heard him say to her, do you really think I'd ever want you to be the mother of my children? Mm. Mm-hmm. And why are you so, dating? Well, she had a lot of insecurity in general in this relationship. As we know, in toxic relationships, happens. Mm-hmm. So... She was snooping around one night in his emails and found an email where he had referred to her as an old pair of slippers that he couldn't get rid of. (gasps) That is so damn British, I feel like. An old... It's just mean. You're just an old pair of slippers I can't get rid of. What the (laughs) fuck is that? It's mean. It's mean. That is so mean. Like, what the I'm not fuck? laughing at the comment. I'm laughing at Chelsea's accent. <laughs> My accent is so, it's on par, let me tell you. Um, first off, I feel like, see, that's why I wouldn't do well. Because if it was me, I would wake his ass up and be like, first off, you need to explain to me what the fuck that means. Because we both know you're rich. So those old <laughs> slippers are being thrown out probably every like four months. So, uh <laughs> what? Yeah, you don't own Excuse old slippers. Me? You don't even yeah. know what old slippers Please. are. <laughs> are. Go fuck yourself. Here's your damn biscuits and tea. Have a great life. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, okay. I don't like that. I know. And but then also there was a story. I mean, so you know, that's like the stuff on his side, but there was also a story about how he went out on like a boys' weekend and Jane was texting him and his friends constantly throughout the whole weekend trying to find out what they were doing, where they were, where he was, what was going on. So like from from his side, she looks like a psycho jealous girlfriend, but from mm-hmm. Jane's side, it was like this guy's like a monster who doesn't give a shit about her feelings. So yeah. when you put the two together, it's like, okay, this is very clearly just a toxic, almost like codependent relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like you can't separate, but you also can't be together. 
So then she ended up getting a broken arm. Uh, uh, Okay. When people asked her about what happened, she said that she and Tom were out dancing. And while they were dancing, she tripped and she fell and broke her arm. Her friends did not buy this. And when they pressed her about the situation and was like, what act like we don't believe that what actually happened. She said that um, she finally would fess up and said that Tom pushed her over an open dishwasher. And that's how she broke her arm. Had they noticed signs of physical abuse beforehand? I couldn't find anything about this. But I do know. I do know that in the documentary, all of them all of Jane's friends had indicated that they were very worried about her. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't just like, we don't think she's happy. Like they were worried about her. So I wonder, I did wonder like, what did she have bruises? Did she have marks? Um, And just because like, and just because you don't see bruises or marks does not mean physical abuse is not happening. Right. Um, But they had all heard about the fights and who knows what those phone calls were like, you know? Yeah. Who knows what, that was like and you know how like i think i think people who are in that world i think they are even less willing to acknowledge domestic violence than oh yeah because it goes uh, (laughs) well it goes against their whole image it goes against their whole gentlemen that they are these better than us and bred correctly and like this is what they but also do so like they just can't admit to that like that just doesn't happen in this world and I feel like it probably happens more in that world than it does than we think well and I also think I completely agree with you but I also think that there's the loss that both sides would potentially have to face should they admit it like usually a the dependent spouse that means a Mm -hmm. lifestyle that they're losing and and then the non-dependent spouse Right. And then the non-dependent spouse, that's going to be like half of their income, alimony, you know, child support. But all do they stuff. have that if they're in in Britain? Like, I OK. I wonder how that no, works they're if not they married. are part of. With them in particular. Rural, like if you are a male, got a male, right? And you are part of either the royalty or a... um. Not a, what is it? A uh, what? It's not a Dutch. What is it? Duchess and uh, if you're titled, if you're titled, if you're titled. Okay, thank you. I was like, it's not Dutch. Um, if you're titled, <laughs> I'm sure there's got to be like prenups and this and that. Like, I'm sure you're probably more protected if a divorce does happen, and if something does. Yeah, but come you out. remember when we talked about prenups? Prenups can also be there to protect the spouse. Yeah, you know what but I mean? like. But, like, you got to remember, like, they have different – I feel like they have different laws I don't, yeah, I don't and different know. I don't expectations know. than what It is very different. Do. And we get to the legal proceedings. I'm going to actually go into that because it's very different than how we do things. So I did my best to try and translate. So that's what I'm saying, though. But, it's like if you're a titled British, you probably have different protocols and different protections it than might be. what we would but also, think – At the same time, just like we saw with Harry and Meghan, they also might be like, no, we need to save face. Absolutely. We're not going to have this be a legal battle. You take care of this woman that you married and is now like your responsibility to care for. Like it could go both ways because we've seen both Mm -hmm. things happen. So I don't know. 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 Anyways, regardless, they yeah, regardless, they were not married. They were just boyfriend, girlfriend living together. Um, And so after this claim of her breaking when she broke her arm and claiming that Tom pushed her over an open dishwasher, that's when her friends really started to get really worried. Now it's worth mentioning at this point that none of his previous girlfriends have made any claims of violence against him. But again, I need to add that does not mean that somebody is not going to be violent if they are in a toxic relationship. So I'm just going to say that. Mm -hmm. So as I was saying before, when you put both sides together, it's easy to see how this relationship was unhealthy. And one of her friends even says that they should have walked away long before anything escalated to murder but they don't so september of 2000 rolls around and tom takes jane on this super lavish vacation she had told people that she was expecting a proposal on this vacation 
And when that didn't happen, the prosecution's speculation is that Jane was pushed over the edge. Not only did it not happen, he like straight up told her like, no, that's never going to happen. I'm never going to marry you. And I'm so sure now, he probably like, said the it in a way. So now the relationship's over. Apparently not. Um, she was so upset, though, that she was threatening suicide. She said she was going to take a bunch of pills. She said she was going to drive over a cliff. She said she was going to do all these things. So it obviously affected her deeply. Um, and then after they got back, the fighting just was escalating and escalating and escalating. On September 16th, Tom calls the police. And I want you to listen to this audio. Is anyone injured? Not yet. And where is your other half? Right here. And what are they doing? Staring at me. Right, so they'd be assaulted anyone, sir? Not really. Mr. Clarkson, yeah. right, right. there's nothing or anything else. What do you want the police to do? I would like the police to come and split us up. I would like somebody to stop us from hurting each other. Because if right. we don't have somebody here soon, right. somebody is. I mean, I heard it, but like, I can't. I need subtitles. I can't understand their okay. accents. No, no, no. That's okay. I will. Let me mute this. And then I will read it to you. I'm having a major fight with my other half. Dispatcher. Is anyone injured? Tim. Not yet. Dispatcher. Where is your other half? Tim. Right here. Dispatcher. And what are they doing? Tim. Staring at me. Dispatcher. Right. So has anybody been assaulted, sir? Tim. Not really. Dispatcher. Mr. Cressman, if there's nobody threatening or anything else, what's going on and what do you want the police to do? Tim, I would like the police to come and split us up. Tim again, I would like somebody to come here and split us up. Stop us from hurting each other because if we don't have somebody here soon, somebody is. So why don't you get in your car and, okay, first off, not victim blaming because he is, at the end of the day, he's the murder victim, but like, Get in your car and go. Like, you are the... It's complicated. Because this is 2000, remember? This is not... I know. I know. I know. And, like, men can definitely be abused. And, like, that that is a 100% real thing. Men can be abused. And they can be in that situation where they feel like they cannot walk away. And, but it doesn't seem like he And it was his house, to be fair. It was his house. It was not her house. Oh, yeah. He could be like, get the fuck out. But he doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to, like, just be pushed around. Do you know what I'm saying? And I also have to wonder, would the police have reacted... If someone made that same phone call in 2021 or 2022 now, instead of just being like, sir, you all seem fine. What do you want the police to come do? Um, That's a loaded question because that goes into where are they calling from? What's their social economic background? I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> like, that's a big, I don't know. To me, it just seems like he's not going to just allow her to like. I don't know. Okay. So think about this. Mull this over as we continue. So he calls the police, right? Okay. So (coughs) that was September 16th. That following Saturday, Tom called one of his friends saying they had gotten into another fight. And his friend asked him, just call the police. Like, Like, I don't understand. Like, just call the police. And Tom said they're only interested if there's a body bag. So... There does seem to be some evidence that he did have some concerns for his safety. And 48 hours later, he was found dead. So I also like, okay, going back to that 999 call, I don't I like that he was like, <laughs> she's staring at me. Because like in my head, I just have him like on the phone. They're like looking at each other and she just has this like death glare with like a butcher knife. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I he's can see like, it. But like, and he doesn't want to mention the knife because if he mentions the <laughs> knife, then maybe she's going to do something. But that's where I'd be like, just 
fucking like run. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's such a hard thing. I know. It's complicated. I know. And it is worth saying that he was much larger than her. I mean, that's worth saying. I don't. It doesn't necessarily mean So anything, he could like just say. like, like not condoning this. But like if he was like, she's like staring at him with the butcher knife and the doors behind her. He could just like push her, knock her down and just like run out. You're saying most likely physically he could have. Probably. But okay. wait till you hear what she claims was happening before she stabbed him. Okay. So this is a lot of hearsay, man. It's so much. And and one of the detectives does say, like, the only two people who knew what happened that night were Jane and Tim, and Tim is dead. And you so, know what they say, there's always three sides to the story. There's your side, my side, and the yeah. truth. Yeah. And and one of the detectives does say, like, the only two people who knew what happened that night were Jane and Tim, and Tim is dead. And you so, know what they say, there's always three sides to the story. There's your side, my side, and the yeah. truth. Yeah. So okay. the prosecution decides to move forward with charging her. Now, she does have a potential defense of, they call it coercive control. Um, I guess it's a defense in, in mm-hmm. Britain. Um, essentially proving that she was being psychologically abused. Okay. So we're going to get into the case. Obviously, there was mayhem because of the the spotlight that was on this case. Um, but a lot of this was just media hype. So all I'm going to do is stick with the events of the trial. I'm not going to go into all of the rumors and speculation and all that other stuff. If you guys want to get into that, do the Googling. Um, I'm just going to talk about what happened in the trial. So James Jane's defense was going to try and prove self-defense with this coercive control, whatever. Um, so while she was giving her testimony, because I think she had to, I think in British court, you have to. I don't think it's like an American court where like we're like, don't ever take the stand if you don't have to. I think you have to give your own defense. I mean, um, no, again, no offense to the British. They like still wear wigs to like fucking. They parlance. literally do. Yeah. So like, <clears throat> yeah, y'all, it is not the 1500s. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Yeah. So, so while she was giving her testimony, she alleged that before she decided to murder Tom, Tom had done awful things to her, which was what she described to be. He tied her up, put a pillowcase over her head, and raped her. Ooh. Yeah. So the prosecutor, so take this with a grain of salt because the prosecution's always going to have a bias. He wasn't super impressed with her performance in court. He said it felt very contrived. He said that she had a handkerchief in her hand the whole time, but she never used it once on her eyes, Um, which fuck off if you're like just expecting women to cry if they don't want to talk about rape. Like we all get raped all the time. Like, I'm sorry if you... that just pissed me off. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, women are tough. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only time she did actually cry was when something was brought up. I don't understand why. Again, I was trying to get information, and it, I, I couldn't find anything about a sexual assault that she had experienced as a child by her brother. I don't understand the relevance of this in the case itself, <clears throat> other than to perhaps prove Who was that bringing she was it mentally up? unstable the defense the prosecution. Or the prosecution no the prosecution because i could see like as shitty as this might sound as like the defense using that as an excuse like when he you know for an insanity her, plea her, or something it snapped she snapped at that point because she went yeah, back to yeah that. like i could see the defense no it was the prosecution. possibly i could see the prosecution saying like she's just fucking crazy because of this one event in her life Maybe that's why he did it. Um, her family denies that this happened. They said it actually like put a rift, a whole like tore a rift in their family. And, and her and brother. I'm sure you and you don't have the information <clears throat> on what like how they found this piece of information out. It's just her testimony. So she said it happened. Right. It was. It was gleaned from her psychological evaluation. Okay. Okay. Um, and her. But her brother did remove himself from the family. Like, he 
his her family didn't remove him from them. He removed himself from the family. So I don't know. To me, that was okay. Like, I mean, I believe women. So I, yeah, I know. I agree. Um, so overall, the prosecution stance, as we said, was a woman scorned by the lack of proposal. Which I don't know. I just not I see 1852. holes in this. I know. I I just I don't I see holes in that case, and I I don't know that I buy it. That that would have been enough because obviously she didn't leave him and it's not like she couldn't have met other people who could have afforded her the same lifestyle i don't know but that was their thing um they both brought in all sorts of character witnesses for both sides and literally both sides were like i've never seen any of these people be violent i've never seen any issues all of his character witnesses were like he's never been aggressive he's never been this way all of her character witnesses was like she could never do this i've never seen her do this something must have provoked her like so it was kind of like tricky because of this there was some concern on the prosecution side that they wouldn't get their conviction and then i'm just gonna throw this in this is just kind of a again it's more hearsay um dicky what is it detective chief investigator whatever um, he claims that on the very last day of the trial, Jane's friend that she had been staying with, which means she was on house arrest, she was not in jail for freaking murder, Charles. <laughs> Rich people. <laughs> yep. Yep. Sounds about right. Um, <laughs> she had gone up to Dickie and told him that Jane had just confessed to her the night before and they took her statement, but there wasn't anything they could do about it because the trial was over. So... And again, that's hearsay. I don't know. I don't know. So after a four-week trial, the jury went back and deliberated for 12 hours, and they came back with a verdict of guilty. And she was sentenced to a minimum of 12 years. Okay. This is Minimum of 12, what's the max? I don't know. It didn't say. And again, I think British laws are weird. I, I, I think the max option, possible sentence was a life. I think it was life. But okay. I think the way that they sentence is like, let's check on her in 12 years and see if she seems stable or something. I, okay. I don't fully okay, get okay. it. Okay. Um, in the documentary, a lot of her friends came back on and said that they were super unsettled by the conviction. None of them felt like justice had been served. Um, they were all like, I just, I can't imagine her doing this for no reason. I can't imagine like she had dealt with so much, like, why would she have snapped now? Something terrible must've happened. Kind of like implying, I guess, an element of belief that Tom or, uh, Tim was abusing her or Tom was abusing her. So then they bring on the psychiatrist who assessed her for the prosecution. The prosecution got the psychiatrist. And he basically says that he buys her story completely, start to finish, that she was restrained, had a pillowcase put over her head. She was raped. When he, like, set her free that next morning, she decided to kill him to try and escape with her life. He says he buys it. Okay. So she did launch an appeal in 2003, which was uh, three years into her sentence, but it was denied. Um, but it doesn't end there. <laughs> in 2009, she escaped. Oh, so she's like, bitches, so- you're not going to take my appeal, but I'm going to get the fuck out of here anyways. Okay, first off, and then now you're just adding more sentencing. Yeah, fortunately, it didn't work that way for, I don't, okay. again, rich people, they, they experience a different kind of justice than the They have a different life that we can't even think of. <laughs> if we don't understand. We don't understand. apparently, she was allowed to leave the prison to visit her parents, like, from time to time. She could just go visit them, and then she would have to come back. But apparently, she just didn't come back. And then she was gone for a few days. She's like, nah, bitches, I got, like, my Taco Bell I need to hit up, my, I don't know what they have over in in England, but my Chipotle, I got to hit a bar ripe. I'm going to be on a three-day bender, so, like, Yeah, she just didn't come back. (laughs) And I'm like, what, what is this prison sentence? What is this? And then, so, this was eight years into her sentence when she escaped, so it was, again, 2009, um, And I guess over the years, she developed a relationship with this other high-profile male prisoner. Oh, Lord. I don't understand. 
But anyways, this piece of shit. Like, they had all these letters that they had corresponded with and stuff like that. He, he exposed sold all of it to the press. Yeah. I saw that coming. Yeah. And also, girl, like, come, come the fuck on. Like, y- you can't trust. Right, no. He's in jail no. for a reason. <laughs> like- <laughs> okay. 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 Not everyone's in jail for a good reason. But, yeah, he's a high-profile criminal. He's in jail for a good reason. Okay. That's what I'm saying. He's in jail for a reason. Like, look at <laughs> the right. reason. You're right. You're right. You're right. So... In 2015, she was finally released on parole. Um, so she served 14 years. Okay. Um, so sh- she ended up being an antique trader for a couple of years. She stayed really low profile. Like, nobody knew who she was until, like, the press would come and, like, because they found out where she was. But then she would quit her job and move on. Okay. Um, Two and a half years after being released, she did form a relationship with a married man who ultimately taste man. I know who ultimately ended up contacting Rick Cressman, who was Tom's brother, saying that he had when he tried to end things with her, he had started getting threats from her. He and his wife made a formal complaint about her, and she was taken back into custody, which, awkward. You know, you had to have that conversation with your wife. Like, yeah, I was cheating on you with a psycho, and now she's threatening you. We got to go to the police. Okay, and beforehand, before um, Tom, right? Is his name? No, 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 no. This is no, after no, no. she got out. Two and a half years. No, 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 no. Before Tom. Before that was her, the boyfriend she murdered. Tom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom was yeah. the boyfriend she murdered. But bef- yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I just want, for some reason, I had Tim in my head and I wasn't sure if it was Tom or Tim. Okay. So before Tom, didn't you say that a boyfriend came, an ex boyfriend came up saying that he received threatening? Okay. So there's a pattern happening. Okay. He so they made the complaint. She was taken back into custody. There wasn't any evidence that they were able to find to corroborate that she was threatening him. So she was released again in 2019 and her lawyers continue to fight her case. And that's where we are. Well, damn. Okay. So what do you think? Okay, because like there's so much a part of me that is like this bitch was probably being like fucked over by this rich entitled asshole. But then there's another part of me that's like this bitch is fucking crazy. (laughs) I don't think she's mentally stable. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's. Something's not right. Mm hmm. Um, I, I don't want to go too far into that relationship because, like, it is a bunch of hearsay. It no. like no one was there to I see, know. and there's nothing that's come out that's like, oh, like friends noticed bruises, and just because you're being physically abused doesn't mean you're getting bruises where people can see it. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. I just okay. The only thing I'm gonna say about that is that. I know. I I do not believe that she is she ain't gonna be the person you're gonna call on when shit goes down because she's fucking crazy I know (laughs) or maybe she is (laughs) maybe she is I guess it depends on what you're trying to do (laughs) but yeah something I think she needs help yeah uh, it does not it does not it doesn't seem right it does not seem like she's stable but I mean again that can happen like, so that can happen, just j- chemical imbalances, which are easily fixed yeah. with medication and therapy. But that can also happen from, like, a lifetime of being treated like shit. And we don't know, you know? And, like, like maybe, if she really and was like, tied up and raped by Tom, that's a traumatizing experience. And you don't, and like you said, it's a bunch of hearsay. You don't know what actually ha- happened behind those closed doors. You don't know yep. if that was maybe the... 10th time he has done this and she finally was like snapped and yep if she's constantly going after these toxic guys that does make me wonder what happened in her past to make her go after those type of guys do you know what I'm saying yeah I know I know so there's a lot of hidden things that I'm like because there's also yeah no you're right that's a good point because she does seem to go after these men 
who don't seem to place any sort of value on her because yeah. there was her first husband, which there was very little information about him. So maybe he did treat her well and they just weren't in a good place and that's why they divorced. Who knows? But then there was this other guy who, like, when he found out what was going on with her, he immediately jumped on the, like, oh, yeah, she did that to me too boat. So that's kind of shady. Yeah. There was the guy in prison who she formed a relationship with who sold her entire, like, all of their, their letters to each letters. other and mm-hmm. their notes to each other. So, that, so that's she's going out. So it seems like she's her, for whatever reason, her attraction is towards men who aren't putting any type of, like you said, any type of value. Because according to her mm. friends and, his, like, there's evidence showing that Tim said – um, Tom said, like, I I would never have children with you. Like, you're an old pair of slippers. Like, so it's, she's, and then she goes after a married man. And him saying, like, I'm never going to marry you. Like, yeah, yeah. It just seems like it's, she goes after people that she can't 100% have. And I'm wondering what happened in her past. And, And is it just a chemical, is it a, not just, but is it a chemical imbalance? That she just well, that the, she needs to have help with, or did something happen in her past that maybe she was telling the truth about a brother? And and the fact that there was something very odd to me about her brother removing himself from the family. Like yeah. the family didn't exile him; he removed himself from the family. Now, I know that can be sometimes you do that because you're like, my family is being toxic to me and I'm not going to sit around and deal with this. So it's very possible you that there were people who like, be- yeah, yeah. And so mm-hmm. there were people who believed her and were attacking him. And he was like, fuck this. I am fucking out. If you're not going to have my back, I'm done. Yeah. But it also could have been because he was like, oh, shit. I'm getting <laughs> I called out. I was not trying yeah. to deal with. Yeah, I was not trying yeah. to deal with that. So and then I don't know. she did go AWOL. And so like that also proves kind of a level of which ended up only adding what she got out in 2015. So it added two years to her minimum sentence. So it's not like it was like a huge amount of time, but it does imply a level of of lack of impulse control. That mm-hmm, makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's very interesting, know. right? It's a very, it is it's interesting. A There's case. a lot of things to unpack here that um, I don't have the education requirement for. <clears throat> no, we don't. No. <laughs> but I definitely do think that something's not right. Something's off. And I will say on that note, the psychiatrist who the prosecution hired to assess her bought her story completely so yeah that's the story of jane andrews the lady in waiting to sarah ferguson the duchess of york damn and i bet fergie's like distancing herself from that shit no she was text when she was on the run fergie was like texting her I think they were best friends. I think they were like best friends. Well, yeah, I think. Nah, yeah. Pro- OK, she probably yeah. is now. You're probably right. She probably is now. But now who knows? She probably, again, she's behind like, closed doors. That girl's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if she is having mental health issues. I hope she gets the help that she needs. Agreed. And I hope that her attorneys don't just like, I don't know, try and push for. A, I don't know. I don't know. Complicated. I thought it was interesting. We don't do many female murders, so I was like, let me let me find a lady murder. Murderer. Yeah. Murderess? Murderess. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Well, what's your weekly But anyways, line? you go first. Oh, me? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my weekly win is that even when my – okay, so where we live in North Carolina, sometimes the internet sucks. And even then, though, when it wasn't working, I still found workouts to do and worked out. So – I didn't yeah, like, like an excuse to come in and take me off my healthier version of myself, which will talk to me in February. Because we all know how you that goes. Some. <laughs> That's my weekly one. Well. well. Okay, so now your turn. I don't know. I got to say that I think that my weekly win, just in general, is being back with my girls, like, 
with everything that happened, like just the holidays and everything, it was just all feeling very heavy. And then when I'm around them, it's just like they're just like sunshine. You know, mm. like you're just like yeah. sitting in sunshine. So you got, it's like, just a been, it's been really good to be back. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like peace for just a little bit of time. So it's been really good to be back with them. And I've had my little one who's just she's been my sidekick from day one. I've had her with me all week. And then next week I get two whole days with the big one who is like my OG. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Well, that's good. Yeah. All right. All right, you guys. Well, we love you for listening. If you love us back, we would love for you to give us a like, a follow, a subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Specifically, if you are on Apple Podcasts, um, a rating and a review goes a long way to help boost us up the charts so more people can see us. If you want to get in touch with us or see what's going on in the community, you can find us on thousand true crimes podcast discussion group on facebook you can also find us on a thousand true crimes pod on instagram yeah um get a dog lock Locking your doors. doors to your garage to the garage mm-hmm. also all the other ones but very specifically lock that one <laughs> yes and stay safe out there you guys all right we'll talk to you guys next week <laughs> bye. Right, bye